Ryan is a good friend. We've served on eldership together at Cornerstone Church in South Africa. As you know, he's come over here from South Africa to serve with us for a season. They feel on their heart that God's calling them to be in America. And so we've provided a landing space for them to think and hear from God. And we're trusting that maybe even God has some potential future for him with us as our local church. But we're going to let God speak for that. But this morning, as part of the NCMI team, Ryan's going to bless us with a word. He's going to bring the teaching this morning. And so, Ryan, thank you for your time. We love you. And just don't mess it up, because this is a pretty tough audience, bro. I just want you to know. Okay, bro. Okay. Great. Um, I just want to say thank you from Shannon and I and our kids for your kindness, your generosity, letting so, us into so many of your homes, getting to meet so many of you, and we're still meeting more of you. Just been a wonderful experience getting to know you guys. And uh, we've really, really enjoyed it. We've really enjoyed the past few weeks. We're here, and we're still here for longer. So we... So thank you. Um, so this morning, what I'm going to preach on is um, this, the characteristics of a New Testament-based church. Now, you might ask, why would you be preaching about that? And if you have your Bibles, you could go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 while I do this little intro. Otherwise, the scripture will appear on the screen, but don't let that make you lazy. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter, 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians chapter 1, please, and uh, you can go there, and we're going to read through a large portion of Scripture today. Now, why I want to preach on the characteristics of a New Testament-based church is that, uh, what, what is a base church? What do I mean by a base church? I mean a healthy local community who follow Jesus and live out His mission into the world, growing in love and unity and purpose. Remember that you are the church. I'm not talking about let's grow an institution called Hope Rock Church or whatever other church. You are the church. That's what the Scripture says. I think, I think you read out that Scripture in, uh, in was First Peter or Second Peter. About how we're called to be a holy priesthood. We are the people of God. So when we say we want to be a healthy church, when we say we want to be a base church, which I'll define what I mean by base in a moment... When we say we want to be a healthy church, we're saying we want to be a healthy community. We want each of us in our individual capacity, in our families, in our workplace, where we go work, what we do, the ministry we do, we want it to be healthy. We want it to be Jesus following Christ, exalting, and we want to live in love and unity. So this isn't a preach about becoming an institution that is amazing. This is a preach about becoming a healthy community together. All right, so God's desire is for churches all over the world, I believe. And many others I know also believe this, to make those churches into base churches. All right, so what is a base? It's a, <laughs> baseball, yeah, whatever. Uh, what I refer to when I'm thinking about a base is like a military base. Right, it provides shelter, it provides military equipment and personnel. I don't know if you've watched Top Gun 2. I want to go see it, right? Give us some idea what a base is, right? That battle cruiser where the ships, I mean the ships, the the, the jets are taking off of, right? They're taking off off to go do something. They're just flying around. Sometimes they're flying around to practice. Sometimes they're flying around to engage the enemy. Sometimes they're flying around to do reconnaissance. And so a base church is like a battle cruiser where we're all taking off to go do things for the kingdom of God. Then we come back and we'll refuel. We come back and maybe we have to go to um, the medic, get ourselves back to normal. Right, because we've had a tough battle. But we, what are we doing? We're getting better so we can go out again. 
And that's what it means to be in a base church community. So we have to decide for ourselves. Are we wanting to come to and be part of a love boat, right? A luxury cruise where it's, have you been fed well? Is the pool the right temperature? Is the AC right? You know, are your feet up? Did you enjoy the spa? Is that, is that what we want? Is that a healthy church community? Or what we want is a mobilized priesthood. People who are ready to go and do what God's called us to do and fulfill their purpose. So what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to actually just pull out a few uh, value or principles, values or principles from two large portions of Scripture. So I'm not going to give you like, yeah, the 10 base church things to do. Because it's all in Scripture, and I'm going to pull out these values, and you can write them down, and you can do whatever you feel God is saying to you. And the first Scripture we want to look at is 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we'll pick it up from verse 10. And he says to you, Paul says here, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love how he uses the word brothers, brothers, sisters, we're together. That all of you agree, and there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Now, interesting, I'm pulling out 1 Corinthians, because Corinthian, the Corinthian church was a big church with lots of gifts, lots of things going for them, but they were doing it wrong. And so Paul has to highlight what, they, what they're doing wrong. And within this, I'm going I'm to pull out the things that he's saying we should do right. Not that we're doing things wrong here, but these are the values. These are the characteristics of what a healthy base church looks like. So all of you agree, let there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by close people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says... I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Interesting that he throws Christ in the mix of these other names. As if you can understand that some people were probably seeing Jesus as some sort of guru. Another name to add to the mix of people to follow. No, that's not what it is. And we can see something here immediately, like straight away, is that celebritizing... Or follow gurus and all that kind of thing causes division in the church. And we have to guard our hearts against that, right? Is Christ divided, he asks. Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so no one may say that we were baptized in my name. Verse 16. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. Verse 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Send me. So we see that a healthy church sends people. He was sent from Antioch, and he was sent from the churches that he established, and he would spend years with these churches and move and be sent from there to establish another church. So there is an apostolic call a translocal call that each of us have within the church. Now, the word translocal isn't a widely used word, but it's actually a good word. You can go to some dictionaries and find it. Some dictionaries won't have it. But why it's a word that uh, makes sense to use is because what it means is that 
in and through the local, you function through into the world. Does that make sense what I said there? And so a translocal team or an apostolic team is, about, is, is a team of people that through their local church function into the other churches. It's not some itinerant ministry team. Some guys who float around and go from church to church bringing their gift. Right? This is through local church to local church. Hope Rock Church to the other churches in the region. The other churches in this nation. The other churches of this world. You in Hope Rock Church, through and in, in Hope Rock Church, through Hope Rock Church, to the other nations or the other churches in this region. And we all have that call to be sent. At some stage, some of us can go a bit more than others because of our flexibility or our jobs or whatever. But nevertheless, the heart of, a, of each person in a local church is the heart of being sent. Amen. If I'm not going, somebody else is going and I'm sending them. But I'm going to go some stage. So Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Interesting statement there. We do baptize. We must baptize. But what was the emphasis? What is the thing Christ did to send him for? Well, what was it? It was to preach the gospel. Not worth words of eloquent wisdom. I love the scripture. It means when I preach badly, it's fine. Right? And let it encourage you too. Paul says, I didn't come with words of eloquent wisdom. Let the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So not eloquency, wisdom, cleverness, smartness, whatever, is going to bring the power of the gospel, except the gospel itself. Amen. So yeah, he says now in verse 18, for the word of the cross is folly, it's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discerning, the discernment of the discerning, of the discerning, I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Great questions for today, isn't it? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom... It pleased God through the folly of what we preach, what you and I preach, what we've been called to preach, to save those who believe. And so look at this, what he says here. He says, for Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. I want to say that today there are a lot of people who demand signs and a lot of people who seek wisdom. And it's not as if wisdom or signs are a bad thing. But sometimes we can see a sign and we want another sign, yeah. right? Sometimes we're chasing the signs. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm flitting from conference to conference, going from fed to fed, listening to this preacher and that preacher. I follow Cephas, I follow Apollos, right? Yeah. And we're following where the signs and the vibe is or, the, or, or where we're seeing all the miracles. And we're chasing after that thing. And that, that, that pursuit will never end. It's an endless pursuit if that's all you're pursuing. And then the other one, many people seek wisdom. And sometimes we come to church seeking wisdom, and that's a good thing. But sometimes all we can do is be seeking wisdom. Give me the 10 points to solve my problem. Right? What is, what is it I can do now? Give me the things to do that will make this marriage better. 
right? What will help me with my kids? Good, good questions. But that's not all we've come to do. That is a byproduct of the main thing, which is to preach Christ crucified. Once we get that in place, the wisdom and the signs and everything will follow because they are in their appropriate place. But when we emphasize the wisdom or we emphasize the signs, we get lost. And so Paul has that same, that same problem we have today. The same heart we have today is the same issue that the Corinthian church was dealing with and the same issue that Paul is writing into there. Jews demand signs, Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. That is the emphasis of our lives. That is the main message. That is the main thing. Right? And that is what a base church, what a local church is there to do. Preach Christ crucified. First of all, most of all. And it says there, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, and I like that, everybody, the multi-ethnic, multi-everything church, right? All together for those, for everybody is the power of God and the wisdom of God, Jesus. The power of God and the wisdom of God. That's where we will see the power. That's where we will see the wisdom in Jesus Christ. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So the first thing we can see about a base, local, healthy, base church is that it is a Christ-centered community. And it is a gospel-preaching community. That is the emphasis. Jesus come, Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus raised, Jesus exalted. That is the message of our lives. That is where the power lies. And we will see a bit later, he talks about how he came trembling. We'll talk about this in a few moments, but I'm skipping a bit ahead. But he came trembling to the Corinthians he talks about. This is what it's like for us. Sometimes we think we have to sugarcoat this message somehow. We have to make it appealing. We have to do all these things to it, right? And that's going to make people believe. Come to my church. Look how uh, cool my church is. Look how great the band is. Look how wonderful we are. Look at the good things we do in the community. That ought to convince you that Jesus is real. No, actually, it often just doesn't. The power of God lies in the message of God, in the message of Jesus Christ, the one who we worship. That's where the power is. So you can come with your fumbling words, with your weird ideas, whatever. But when you preach that thing, when you preach that message, people get saved. The power of God is in the message of Jesus. That's where the Spirit of God is working. So for consider your calling, brothers, verse 26, and this is the point I'm trying to make. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. I've met a few of you. You know me. Not many of us are wise according to worldly standards, are we? Not many were powerful. Not many of us are powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Certainly not me. For God chose what is foolish in the world. What a compliment to us. Right? He chose us. The foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Are you feeling weak? Do you say to yourself, I'm the weak of the world? I want to encourage you today. If that's how you're feeling, well, guess what? God's using you. The weak shame the strong. Isn't this this kingdom that we live in, this upside-down kingdom, where where Jesus says you need to serve and not be served? 
If you want to gain influence in the world, come and serve the world in His name. And don't try and put power over people, right? Upside down. If you want to get, then give, right? Upside down kingdom. If you are weak, then you are strong. Upside down kingdom. And God shows what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Not our philosophy brings righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Not our theories, be they whatever, whatever it is that seems to captivate your heart. The latest philosophies of the world, the latest dude on YouTube is telling us things, the latest political theory, whatever it is. None of those things bring redemption, sanctification. Amen. But the wisdom of God, who is Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ does. Amen. Right, so that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So you can see something of a heart of what a healthy community looks like. Christ sends it and knows that we are weak. So a healthy community, in a sense, is full of a bunch of weak people. Amen. Right? In a sense, that's the truth. Yeah. That's who God puts together. That's who God gives us. God gives us the broken and the lonely, the ones who are desperate, just like you and I have been. I'm not saying God doesn't give us the strong. Sometimes He does, right? And and each of us are in a place where we have to work out, if I'm the strong, I need to learn sometimes how to be weak, right? And if I'm weak, I need to learn sometimes how to be strong. But the foolish and the despised of the world is who God brings into His church, and He uses them to do powerful and amazing things. And that's you and I. Let that encourage you today. You don't have to be some crazy thing to be anything, right? So proclaim Christ crucified in verse, I mean, in chapter 2 there. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech of wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I love this. He says, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. Imagine Marco brings some guy from some other church to come and minister to us, and he comes or she comes with fear and much trembling and weakness. Would we receive them? Right? And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. A healthy, healthy, local-based church is a church that lives in spirit, in the spirit of God, in the Holy Spirit of God, open to the movement of the spirit, not trying to coat everything with healthy, wonderful, eloquent words of wisdom, but letting the spirit do the thing, letting the spirit move our hearts, letting the spirit move this church forward, hearing what the spirit is doing and being open to that. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men. We could come up with wonderful strategies. You could come up with wonderful strategies, great ideas, all these things, right? And that should be encouraged. Let's all bring ideas. Let's, let's be a community where we do that. But as long as we remember that our ideas, we must not rest in the wisdom of men. It's not rest in our wisdom, but in the power of God. Amen. And that's what a healthy local base church is doing.
a base church that does that and then sends that into the world. By the Spirit is moving and sending into the world. I want to reiterate some of these points. Yeah, a, a, a healthy church, I want to say this, is a spirit and word church. Amen. We see Christ crucified, we see the power of God. Amen. We're doing both, because both is where the power of God lies. Amen. We preach the word, the spirit of God comes. We open to the spirit, the word is preached. Amen. Romans 10 says this. Uh, what verse did I take it up from there? Oh. Yes, okay. Romans 10 says, it says, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. The scripture says, Everyone who believes in him, everyone who believes in him will, be put, will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. No distinction between high and low. No distinction between clever and not so clever. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. A healthy church understands that there's no distinction. We don't set chairs in the front up for the smart people and chairs in the back for those who need a bit of help. Right? We don't do that. There is no distinction. Whether you are smart or not so smart, God uses you. And your word and your your, your functioning and your input into this church is just as valuable as those who are smart, right? Amen. A healthy base church knows that, that everybody on that battle cruiser plays their part. Good. Whether it's swabbing the decks or being in that radar room where I don't know what they do, but it looks crazy and amazing, <laughs> right? That's amazing. But like everyone understands that each part is just as important as the next. And that's what Scripture tells us, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, all over. And verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard again? A healthy base church understands the apostolic call of God. Apostolic means to go and bring this message because how can anyone know unless they hear it? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? That's you and me. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? That's what a local church does. We send as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. We've got to be focused on that. And there are many distractions in this world. And I want to say that if the devil can't distract you with the bad things, he will distract you with the good things. Right? He will do that. If he can't get you to throw your life away with the bad things, he'll just get you to fall asleep. We can't sleep. This is the mission and the purpose that God has given us. So lastly, I want to look at um, Ephesians 4. The Ephesian church, you can read in Acts 19. We won't have it yet today. But the Ephesian church was a really, really good and healthy church in Scripture. You'll see it was a sending church. You'll see it was a spiritful church. You'll see it was really, really healthy. And then yet, 35 years later or so, I think it was, in Revelation, God says you've lost your first love. Yeah. Right. The, those things that God had given them, they began to get comfortable in. Yeah. Right. Began to perhaps institutionalize. Right. And once you institutionalize, the Spirit of God moves on. Yeah. 
He does something else. And we sit, we're sitting in the past, in our institution and our ways, and in the past victories and all the good old days. Right. So when we see, yeah, the Ephesian church was a wonderful church, and one thing we have to realize is when God is using us, when God is using this community into the world, and I really believe that for this community. I believe God wants to grow this community to create a sending community that is going to influence this region, influence the state, influence this nation, and influence the world. I can't see any other thing God will do. That's what God wants to do. I believe He's setting you guys up to do that. And so I know a lot of you guys are going on vacation and... That kind of stuff, and you're like, please don't give me some rah-rah message. Just want to chill out, relax in the next little while. I'm trying to encourage your heart while you're doing that. Just think about what God's calling you to do. Amen. Get back to God and listen to Him and see what He's calling you to do. This is a bit of space, perhaps, for you, if you're able to get away, to do that. And to see and hear and be a little bit encouraged to say, yes, you know what? Even if that thing I believe God's calling me to do is a bit crazy, like why would God do that? I'm going to believe him that that's what he's doing in my life and he's going to do through my life. And I'm going to do that in and through this local church and in and through this local church into my workplace where the spirit of God is. Well, let me say this. Where you are is where the spirit of God is. Where the spirit of God is, where the kingdom is. So where you are with your families in the next little while, where you are in your workplace, some of you not in the next little while. Or at school, some of you also not in the next little while. But the point is, wherever you are, the Holy Spirit is working. Amen. That's where the kingdom is being established, and you are bringing the kingdom into that place, into that community, right? And in your church. Amen. And so this church is a place where you can get filled up, ready to take the kingdom into this world. Amen. So Ephesians 4, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord... Urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Please don't say, well, God called Paul, God calls Marco and Mark and the elders and maybe some of the deacons, but he hasn't called me. This is scriptures written to you. The calling to which you have been called. There is something God has for you. Whether you like it or not, it's there. Right? With all humility and gentleness. That's also great because some of us, Maybe we need a bit of humility and gentleness. With patience. A healthy church bearing with one another in love. A healthy church. Listen to this. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I love that word, eager. Eager. Please give me, a, give me an opportunity to do that. That's what it's kind of saying. Where is there an opportunity to make sure there's unity in this church? I need to do that thing. Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Because there is one body and one spirit. Not two spirits, not two ideas, not two gospels. One body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. Amen. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. A healthy local base church understands that he is over all and through all and in all. Amen. The main one being the main thing. And so it's a church that worships. It glorifies God. That states this truth and continues to state this truth in our hearts. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. And this is really where I want to end it. Grace was given to you 
according to the measure of Christ's gift. What is Christ's gift? He gave his life to the world, right? He gave his spirit to the world. To the measure of Christ's gift. What is, what, is that thing measured? Is there some limit to that? No, right? The measure of Christ's gift is everything. And then he goes and talks about the different gifts that God gives. Until he gets to verse 13. Until, so we do all these gifts. God gives these gifts. He blesses us with gifts. He blesses us with you and I. I am actually worse off if you do not exercise the gift that God has given you. If you don't do the purpose and the call God has given you, I'm worse off. And it's the same the other way around. And it's all down in verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of of the Son of God, to mature manhood. God is maturing us. And we've been going through the Revelation series as a way of understanding that God matures us through the difficulties and the suffering and the things that come. He matures us, He grows us into perfect love, to becoming people who are being perfected in love, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of of Christ. And think about this for a local community, verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. A healthy base church, local church community teaches doctrine, right? It's a people, not a place. This isn't a place, right? God lives in us, the people. And we are a people that help people not to be tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, all the ideas and the things out there. And he goes on to describe how it's by human cunning, by craftiness in the deceitful schemes. We understand that we have to help each other in this, right? And understand that it's important not to let people just let the world wash them away. And be blown away. Rather, what we do, verse 15, is speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head. Into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. In other words, we all are to work together into this body, right? And understand that's what a healthy local church looks like and be a free priesthood and keep each other free. Your job is to keep the next person free, not to get in bondage by all these deceitful, human cunning ideas, but keep each other free, right? And then it says when each part is working properly and our job is to equip each other, to get us to function and work properly together in unity and makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is kingdom culture. Want to know what the culture of the kingdom looks like? We all grow and build each other up. Build each other up in love. That's what a healthy local church looks like. When we put Christ at the center and all these things begin to fall into place and we are attentive to them, creating unity, eager to maintain that unity, eager to understand that we're getting built up in love, eager to send. As we do all of these things, we experience kingdom culture, and we're able to take that into the world. Is that encouraging this morning? Amen. I hope so. Amen. Are we singing another song? No. no. All right.
Well, I just, just would like us to... No, I didn't think we were, but I just wanted to check. Can we spend a few moments? I know the last few weeks have been pretty rushed for many of you. Right? It's been lots of things you've had to do. And maybe it's time for, for some of you now to rest, and you're looking forward to that. But can we just close our eyes for a few moments? I don't want to rush. We've rushed a lot. Let's not rush again. We don't need to rush the presence of God. He's going to come and give us rest. I was thinking this morning in that 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where Paul says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Many of us feel that way about the work we're doing, about the ministry we do, about what our lives are looking like, maybe what the future looks like. Fear and trembling, we feel weak. That's what the Holy Spirit to minister to us, that that's okay. That's okay. The foolish and the despised and the weak of the world is who he's using today. And he is using you. And he's filling you more with his spirit and his word and his truth. And when you are weak, he is strong. As Tyler just plays, we spend a few moments focusing on Jesus, the one who makes us strong who showed his weakness on the cross and died. Violent, terrible death. And yet that was the moment of victory. Let's just look to him for a few moments. I'm going to stop talking and let's just focus on him.